Welcome to HivriaCast, the podcast where I, Alad Nehrai, speak with some fascinating and incredible creative Jews. Welcome to episode 17 of HivriaCast. I'm so excited. Today we have Stephanie Levine, who is now, I believe, our third or fourth Hivria writer coming to join me, so I'm so pumped to have you. Yeah, thank you so much. I've been really, really excited. Awesome. Uh, and you're visiting, you live, I don't even, you live in Boston, right? I do, live? that's right. I mean, I actually live in Cambridge, which uh-huh. is right outside of Boston. But I mean, I even say Boston at times, <laughs> because more people have right. heard of Boston than Cambridge, and it gives them the basic idea. Right. And you, like the thing, <laughs> I kind of, this is how I know you. I know you through Facebook, mainly, and now yeah. a little bit we've interacted, thank yeah. God, I'm saying like in person. Right. But, uh, and obviously through Hevria. So I see you as like this Hevria writer who also has really interesting conversations on Facebook yep. and who's also really awesome to hang out with. <laughs> but I am like vaguely aware that you have another life yeah, <laughs> beyond that. Yeah. <laughs> so can you tell me about that? Because I would, I would love to know more. Absolutely. So I guess, I mean, there's a few different aspects to that. Um, one thing I'm working on pretty seriously that is writing, but it's not really... It's funny because my impulse is always to say Hevria. But I think the correct, what, is Hevria? I mean, should I be saying Hevria? Maybe Hevria is the Ashkenaz pronunciation. Oh, okay. Well, I am Ashkenaz. So, so maybe I'll stick with Hevria. Yeah, um, it. Yeah, so it is, it is a writing project, but not Hevria. I'll mm-hmm. uh, assert my Ashkenazi background. <laughs> and um, it is all about my spiritual quest into the question of what might happen to us, ourselves, our souls, our personality, our consciousness, whatever word might resonate with you, and each one of those words has slightly different connotations, what might happen to that after we die? Um, This has been kind of a lifelong quest, but it's only been in the past few years that I've really made it a serious writing project. Wow. It's awesome. So we're like already... Like in what the this other side of you, which I I mean I don't even know it's the other side it is you in yeah. so many ways this exploration into death yeah right um, I mean it's it's interesting it's funny the way you say it is it is me I I think it is probably in some ways the most central part of me and that sounds kind of sad but it's actually not sad at all I mean it's because it kind of moves into all these questions that I know you're yeah. interested in and I'm super interested in myself. Um, you know, is there something mystical that goes beyond kind of waking up in the morning and going about your day? Um, because if there is, that really sort of paves the way for the possibility, um, for, for us, however we want to conceive of that Hmm. to survive the death of the body. Um, yeah. And you are like immensely invested in us not disappearing after death, right? That is absolutely right. I am, yeah, immensely invested. I mean, that is is a really just perfect way of putting it. And I always find it interesting. I would... I would almost say most people, in fact, maybe I would say, I mean, it's hard, you know, I'm not, I don't have any hard and fast math in front of me, but I would kind of say just off the top of my head, most people I know and speak with on this topic are really not that invested. 
in that particular outcome. I mean, I I have talked to people, mm-hmm. and it blows me away. I mean, I'm waiting to see whether it blows you away. I mean, every time it comes up, I'm literally just besides myself. I don't even know what to do with myself. I know many, many people who literally want their consciousness to end at a certain point. Oh. Um, they wow. say on a certain level, being conscious, being aware, thinking is... Um, it, it'll get tiring after a while and it's grating and, and sometimes it's upsetting. Mm. Um, and it's funny because I do understand that, but the only reason I really understand it, I mean, it's kind of paradoxical, is that I drive myself crazy worrying about the potential for my consciousness to end. <laughs> so, on, so on that level, it's horrifying, you know, to really get deep into my consciousness and ask these questions. If I were settled on that one thing, okay, maybe my thoughts would go into, you know, a little dark place or I might be upset about something. But if that were taken care of, I, my consciousness would be glorious, you know. Um, so, okay. So if... You so the only reason you would be open to it is because you're <laughs> is because you are uh because it bothers you so much that you worry about death and 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 <laughs> if you didn't worry about death, then you would be then it would be bad for your consciousness then is that what you're saying? Well, okay, here, yeah. I mean, I think you're you're kind of on the right track. I'll just sort of clarify 100%. Yeah. I think what I'm saying is that I know people who who really feel like consciousness is a difficult thing mm-hmm. and that it's it's not something they'd want to be immersed in forever. Um I can relate to that. I guess on a level of if I existed forever but always with that threat of non-existence, mm-hmm. then well, I'd be worrying about that forever. Do you know what I'm saying? So on a certain level, that would be kind of horrifying, although I would take it just gazillions of times over at a certain point actually not existing. My real deepest, fondest hope beyond anything, you know, sort of like hopes for this life or anything like that, is that at some point something will happen, some kind of, you know, mystical fireworks will come upon me and... I will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the soul is eternal, you know, and that my soul is, your soul is, that this is just not something to worry about Mm. anymore. And if I knew that, I could just sort of slide into everything else. I could just say, okay, this didn't work out. That didn't work out. This was annoying. I didn't like that so much. And maybe, you know, I'd be upset about stuff, but my main problem would be taken care of Mm. and... Everything else would be gravy. You know, that's kind of, I guess that's kind of what I'm saying. Do you feel any closer to the answer since you started this project? That's, that's a really good question. Um, it's interesting. As I go on and on, little things happen. And, I, you know, I'm saying little things as opposed to big things. So in other words, you know, there are people, I think perhaps even you, who have had these kind of major mystical experiences, you know, near death maybe, or something even, um, somebody's perfectly healthy and, you know, just all of a sudden, you know, they're walking in a field and, you know, you've heard these stories and they just feel like, wow, you know, God exists and I'm so much more than my body. And, you know, I haven't had anything like that, but I've had small experiences, um, I, you know, one of them involved, I, I think you you might know about this. 
um, I was in a workshop in Arizona where I think you actually spent some time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was there in Arizona. And That's where um, I had my own experience. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense, actually. <laughs> it's it's so. kind of a mystical place, all the cacti. and you It know. is, actually. Yeah, I think yeah. it's got like an intense energy. Right, but it's funny. This was not, you know, outside with cacti. That would be pretty cool. This mm. was inside a little hotel. <laughs> um, I was taking a workshop with this guy, Bruce Moon. Um, he, oh, that sounds familiar. Is that... I, I wrote about this. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, but he is, is he like a figure in the death world? Yes. His whole thing is um, out-of-body exploration. Okay. He's written several books about this. He leads workshops, you know, I think all over the country, probably even, you know, internationally. Yeah. He's, I think, he's, yeah. I think when I was working on my death stuff. Yep. Like, I think I heard about him, yeah. Sounds yeah. Like, he's yeah. like, a, yeah, okay, anyway, sorry, go ahead. So... I'm I'm at a workshop with this guy Bruce Moon, yeah. um, and it was the whole idea was that we were supposed to be using our imaginations mm-hmm. to tap into what might happen after we die, and in particular, actual deceased souls. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I won't go into all the sort of tiny little details, but I was involved in this exercise. Um, Bruce asked each of us to write a name down of somebody in, you know, who's deceased that we would like somebody else to try to connect with. Mm. So I wrote down the name of my grandfather. Everybody, you know, wrote down somebody. And it was really interesting before. Then the idea was then we were supposed to pick names out of a hat, you know, not our own, just some random. And it was really interesting before I even got to a name. I mean, before the hat even came my way, this amazing image of a young boy, a young showman, essentially, um, it was just clanged into my head. You know, and this is not like me. I'm not a very visual person at all. You know, I'm not somebody who's going to walk around mm. and have this vivid image of a little, you know, boy showman. You know, and I was like, whoa, okay. And I'm literally going with it, and I'm seeing all these various scenes of his life. I realize that he is um, very, as a as a child, very successful. You know, I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. You know, he's he has this whole show career. Then as he gets older, he runs into a whole bunch of problems. He's very active, and that was great as a kid. Then he, as he gets older, he sort of has difficulty. Um, you know, with self-control and with kind of getting down to business as an adult, that sort of thing. So this this is all sort of coming to me. Many of his likes were coming to me that he really liked being outside and he loved music. Um, and this I think you'd find particularly interesting. I um, got a really interesting image that, that Christmas was a big thing for him. Christmas tree, you know, celebrating Christmas. And the name actually from the hat was a very Jewish name. So <laughs> I kind of thought, oh, you know, that's a little weird, but okay. You know, and I, I stuck with it. You know, I, I went with the image. Wow. Um, and also a, a key thing was that he was, I saw this really strong image of him hugging his mother desperately, you know, just, he loved his mother. It wasn't just sort of a casual, you know, hey, ma, you know, give her a hug. It was like this desperate sort of hugging of his mother. And I thought, okay, you know, this is all really interesting. And, and I was not groping at all. You know, a lot of times in those exercises, it's like this groping thing. It was just all coming to me. We get back together and pretty much everything that I came up with was valid. 
Um, and I mean, it was really interesting. I mean, I got together. The, the person who put his name in the hat was his girlfriend. He had died in middle age. Um, he was, in fact, a very successful child showman. I, his name did not sound familiar to me. Um, and it, this, these images started coming to me even before I picked the name out of the hat, you know. So it couldn't have been, you know, just that, that something about the name jogged my thought process. Um, wow. he so actually, you were really, like, you really had an experience. Yeah, when, I did. And, you know, I cool. could. It's funny. There are people who would say, okay, like, I had that. Now I believe. You know, and it's interesting that I, you know, I've had some, that was probably the most powerful of, of, you know, I could go I think, on this, that, but that was probably in some ways the most powerful. But I think a lot of people also wouldn't. Like, I yeah. think, I think we also are suspicious of our own natures, you know, like I'm, it's interesting because my near death experience, uh, was incredibly powerful at the time. I 100% believed like that I had been another place but I was aware as time went on um I was like I kind of was like consciously aware I was like trying I, I tried to tell myself even like remember how certain you felt right Be- because I knew I the more time passed the less I kind of trusted my own experience I mean especially because you know I was going I was going through a manic episode and all these things and not to mention you know if you bring up near-death experience with people they'll start you know doubting and whatever and saying what about this what about that and, um, and which is totally valid. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think, I think it's interesting how it's, I, I think it's pretty rare that people, that someone has an experience like that and is 100% convinced for their entire life. Right. Even, even an intense one like mine. Um, I think there are people like that. I, I talked with people like that, but I just, I think there are others that are kind of quieter and yeah and that's one of the things i actually found really interesting about doing the death projects was i've discovered and maybe you have also that a lot more people have these experiences than you realize because they don't talk about it they feel maybe embarrassed or whatever you know there's actually a lot of kind of like fear of talking about it you know yeah i mean it's interesting i think you're absolutely right and i find i don't know if this resonates with you I find I'm often very surprised about who has actually had an experience like that and right. is either very open to, you know, the possibility of some kind of soul transcending the body or basically believes it. Sometimes it's somebody that I I would have been mortified even to bring up these questions with. Hmm. And then they're like, oh, wow, you know, I, I think about that very often and I've had this experience. And then somebody else who I might have thought would have been super open to it is actually, oh, you know, that that's crazy. You know, we die and, and our brains are dead and we shut down and that's the end you know it's it's sometimes it's it's mm. easy to predict you know if you really know somebody's you know very involved in kind of a mystical religious tradition you know then you can kind of predict but very often i find them surprised in both directions yeah um, i mean i think what's interesting to me is like since i became religious is i've felt like even religious people i think tend to be on that spectrum in the sense that they like even if they believe that they l- live after death or that Mashiach will come and, you know, will enter this new era. There, It seems to me like there's a difference between someone who kind of ex- just accepts it because that's part of their belief system as opposed to someone who kind of lives with it. And, right. And so, like, even there, I kind of feel like right. there's a disconnect with a lot of people. I think even with myself, like, I, kn- I believe deeply in the idea of Mashiach, but at the same time, it's taken me a long time to really try and process what that means to me. And all these things, because yeah, 
it's not so easy to just be like, yeah, I'm going to imagine that the whole world will transform. Uh, you, you know, I think, I don't know, my point being that I think, um, I guess I'm not, I'm personally not so surprised that people have this disconnect between between belief or an, an exp- and and um, like even experience and, and all these things, you know, and right. even with doctrine. Like yeah. I just think it's not easy to think about the unimaginable, you know? Right, right. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because I've, I've thought about that. I mean, that could actually be a really interesting writing exercise. Just like write a story set in the era of Mashiach. You know, right. when I'm open to Mashiach, I'm not an Orthodox Jew. I don't necessarily right. believe that Mashiach is going to come, but at but, the same time, I'm open to it. I mean, I why shouldn't I be open to something that's just so gorgeous? Um, it's so funny because on Facebook and stuff, I always feel like you are, out of everyone that I know, are like the biggest proponent of Mashiach. <laughs> like, I'm talking like Chabadniks, because right. yeah. anytime someone brings up Mashiach, you get like super yeah. excited and it's positive true. about it, which I think is great. It's just so funny to me. Yeah, it's true. I love that concept. Yeah. Um, right. And it is kind of ironic because, you know, I'm not orthodox. I'm not, you know, I, I don't uh, I don't keep kosher. I don't observe Shabbat, you know, nothing like that. Yeah. And yet when it comes to a concept like that, yeah, I mean, and I'm really open to it. Yeah. I mean, you know, even let's say we're sitting here right now and I'm guessing you know much more, you know, what might start to happen if Mashiach were coming. <laughs> let's say we're sitting here and I don't know, you know, the table starts to shake and we <laughs> see an image of a wise rabbi or I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm pulling these crazy ideas out of my head and I was feeling like, wow, you know, some kind of amazing energy. And if you looked at me and said, you know, Stephanie, wow, Mashiach is coming I would be so open to it. <laughs> you would be, you I, wouldn't I would even be surprised. Right. Be I, like, I mean, yeah. I would, I would be like, I mean, but again, I mean, I would, it would just, yeah. well, I mean, I guess if it, if it went, you know, there are different views on what happens with Mashiach. There's one view that that will bring immortality in the body, mm-hmm. which I like a lot because it's just safe. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, not in the sick body, you know, in, mm-hmm. in the healthy body, right. you know, and that just feels safe to me, mm-hmm. um, you know. Um, so, and that, and that that'll just be eternal. You know, that's one view that I've heard about. Then I've heard another view and I believe Maimonides was a proponent of this view, um, that when Mashiach comes, lifespan will be tremendously increased, you know, and I'm making up the figure. So maybe we live on average, you know, 400, 500 years, you know, whatever, very much increased, but then there will still be a death And then um, the ultimate fate afterwards is some kind of a soul-based existence, like a Mm non-physical kind of consciousness-based existence. And that could be, I mean, it would just be so different. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it would be unspeakably better than, you know, sitting here in a body and, you know, I I honestly don't know. I mean, the, the body thing feels a lot safer because <laughs> I know, you know, but, but, um, hey, if Mashiach could come, then, then so many things are possible. Mm-hmm. And then certainly this idea that all we are is our bodies and, you know, there's nothing, no other force and no soul, you know, that would kind of go out the window. I mean, Mashiach would, would just make all that nil, you know? Well, I think, you know, I think what's so interesting about like let's say the pre-Mashiach era from my perspective is that one of the biggest difficulties, you know, we obviously life itself is incredibly hard, but, and I think, but I think the moment that we start to become comfortable, like 
you know, it's it's very interesting because Rabbi uh, Jonathan Sachs writes about this a lot. That people, you know, Jews throughout history and and people in general, obviously, when they were struggling, you know, they tended to just believe in life after death and in God and all these things. Um, be, but it was like a matter of fact. It wasn't like an issue. And they, he 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 kind of calls it like it's very kind of revered in in the Jewish world, like the simple faith. Right. Um, but he kind of points out that the moment we become comfortable, I think it's so true, all of a sudden we become very existentially anxious, you know, mm. we, and ironically that can hurt a person much more than, and I don't want to minimize anyone's pain throughout the history, but, but there is some kind of pain there that is unbelievably intense, you know? Right. And it's interesting. I think like Tolstoy is a good example of this. He went through or he, I think until basically until he died, he, he like he once he he became like so powerful. He became like people called him like more powerful than the the czar and like all these things. And he when he reached that point, he just couldn't stop thinking about his mortality because yeah, yeah. he was like, okay, I reached this point. Now what? You know? Right, and, right, right. And uh, we kind of like where's what's the end game? You know, right. And I I kind of think that's when I think of Mashiach, I think that that's the like like what you're describing like that's the point that we come to where we're not so ridden with these questions because it's it, that it's really hard to, yeah to live like that and i think i personally think that's why people don't want to talk about it like right you know, it's, it's interesting yeah. it's interesting because when i sort of first started i mean you know these are always um have been huge, huge questions for me. Mm. But, you know, when I was 15 years old, I wasn't, you know, writing about it. And when I first sort of decided to make it a real project, you know, a real writing project, I just sort of assumed that everybody would be fascinated <laughs> by it, you know, because it's something, it's not like, okay, you know, you're into roller skating, I'm not into roller skating. I mean, you know, for better or worse. Right. And I'm open to it being for better, ultimately, that it means we're heading to something, you know, more glorious or, or something. But for better or worse, we're all going to die, as far as we know, right. unless our medical friends really figure something out pretty quickly. Right. Um, this binds everybody. Right. So I just assumed, you know, any any person um, who kind of has any level of self-reflection yeah. would worry about this stuff and would think about it. And I quickly realized when I started sharing a lot of this stuff, I found that a lot of people, it just wasn't really that much of a concern. They just don't think about it that much. They'd rather think about you know, where they're going to go Tuesday night or something, you know, which to me just is so baffling. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, it seems kind of insane. Yeah. I mean, when you look at it from that perspective, and I've always, like when I, it's interesting because you, I think we tend to slip just into life, but when you take a second and think about it, it's like kind of crazy to me that we just go about life knowing that at any moment, like impending doom is yes. like going to fall upon us. And like, we yeah. have no, you know, we like even a religious person, you have no idea what's coming. Like not really, even if you think, you know, you know, and it's Absolutely. going to completely transform you. Even if something happens afterwards, right. You're not mm-hmm. going to have your body. You're not. Right. So like even, even in the most optimistic scenario, you're going to be completely and utterly complete uh, disconnected from who you are now. Right. And so, 
it's like it's like it's funny because I always feel like like in a more logical world, everyone would be running around screaming. Yes, <laughs> you know what I'm yes, saying. Like, what like, the hell, hell is happening right, here? <laughs> right, and at any moment, and you know, I mean, I carry aspirin around just in case I have a heart attack. And my mother actually finds it funny. You know, she was like, "Oh, what's this aspirin? Oh, it's, it's in case I have a heart attack." Oh, you know, she rolls her eyes. <laughs> but so but people have heart attacks. It's the most common way to go. <laughs> <laughs> so why not be prepared? I mean, the aspirin was like a dollar. Yeah. You know, like what what is wrong with and I mean I mm-hmm. I find it so funny because you know many people are planners. I mean I just sort of had this idea actually as I was walking around today. I, I it's just like the weirdest thing to me. People I mean it's the summer, so a lot of people are going on vacation. So I know a lot of people who were, you know, all into, you know, well, how's this gonna work? And I wanna make sure, you know, we we go on this tour and we make sure we see this site and you know the hotel is to our liking and you know um, and they're, it's all sort of focused on this vacation that might last, you know, five days or something. So they're all worried about that, but then they're not worried about, you know, need I say more? And they're planning for this little five-day thing, but they're not even <laughs> right. try, trying to plan for, you know, what might befall them ultimately. Like, And, I, I just and thought, it could well, happen soon. Like, yeah, it doesn't, exactly. You know, it's like we, we assume that we're going to – we hope that it's going to last longer. But get it. I live in New York City, so I'm walking around every day. Like I could walk into the street and a car could hit me because I'm walking constantly out in crazy traffic. So I think yes. about that a lot, you know. Like, yeah, I could go. Right. You know? And I think, you know, some people, I mean, to me, it's, it's you know, just crushing. Even if, even if you're one of the extraordinarily likely or lucky, rather, people, let's say you make it to 108 in good health. I mean, mm-hmm. how rare is that? But even that's extremely frightening to me. If it means then you're going to go and that's it, you mm-hmm. know. So let's pick, you know, the best Right, well, that's what's possible. funny about it. Yeah. If you're thinking about a real timeline, yeah. 108 is not like compared it's to like you could die now. 108. Yeah, we're talking about billions of years, like exactly. no eternity. You know, the, the, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right, right. And okay, you know that's the best possible scenario. I, by the way, I think that we have like three listeners left at this point. <laughs> so we got to go full in. Okay. Okay. This. Yeah. So then, so at this point, right? I mean, it's interesting because you might be right. My initial feeling um, would be that, of course, this would like everybody would be interested in this, you know, because it relates to everybody. You know, if we just mm-hmm. talked about like writing and creativity, you know, all the all those people out there who, you know, they're chemists and they don't think about writing creativity but the chemists are going to die you know so <laughs> it goes back but I think you you, know, you may be right that you know this is and that's cool you know my no. mother will listen my you know a few of my friends <laughs> no, I'm saying that there's, we just got to um, double down at this yeah, point is all I'm right, saying and I right. think I just think um, it's interesting because you know what you're talking about also reminds me of uh, I was a bit recently there was this New York Magazine article that apparently was their most Actually, it was their most popular article ever. Oh, wow. Um, about climate change and imagining what it would be if we literally didn't do anything. Until, oh, interesting. Okay. And and it was essentially like humans would go extinct. Uh, and it was the worst case scenario, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they were saying, like, we were suffering from a failure of imagination. We don't talk about it. We don't think about it. And then it was really interesting because I happened to read an interview with Deepak. I don't know how to pronounce his name, Deepak Chopra. Right, uh, right. The, the next day, and he was talking about how you know we as a society have have been like not thinking about how close we are to extinction because we have both 
climate change and nuclear weapons. All of a sudden, we've, yeah. in the last 50 years, or I guess a little bit more, like 70 years, we've created situations in which we could, as a human, as not just as people, but as a species, could completely disappear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he said, like, and he was saying, like, we just, we don't think about it. We don't talk right. about it. Like, he's like, we should be screaming about it. He's right. like, these are right. the only issues we should be talking about, you know? And, um, and so interesting, like, you know, I am raising my girls and I'm imagining that life will go on and right. everything will be normal. Like, the thing is that even with climate change, like, like something's going to happen. Like, we're going to, you know, who, who knows, like, what's going to happen in terms of the coasts and this and that and the weather. And, and it's, like, unbelievable. Like, it's going to happen. Like, yeah. it's just like death. Like, it's and going the, to happen. Right. And, and the worst case scenario, right. right. I mean, right. that is the ultimate fear that ultimately it'll right. all get so bad that the whole earth won't be habitable. Right. I mean, obviously, yeah. I, I believe that we'll figure it out. But right. the point is that we don't even, like, his point, and I think that article's point was, like, we we it's very hard to imagine something so beyond experience yeah, like yeah. We, to, and it's the same thing as death i think like they're just these things that as far as far as we have experienced they're just things that are outside of the realm of of human thought and i think it's really like even when we, you and me are talking about death, like really what we're talking about is the unknown. Like well, that's really yeah. what it is, you know. And extinction is also a similar thing. It's something that's unknown to us as humans. Like we can't imagine a situation in which we're not there because, right? You know, we that's that's how we're wired. It's mm-hmm. impossible to not be wired this way, you know. So it's it's kind of like this fascinating thing where even even when if we talk about climate change as an extinction event. You're not really talking about it because you can't really imagine it, you know? Right. And I think the same thing with death and the same thing with so many. If you think about it, most spiritual concepts, I would say, like, we're not, it's very hard to actually talk about the thing, you know? Like, right. To talk about a spiritual world, to talk about, you know, we, what do we, what do we, you, you were talking about, like, this person, what's his name? Moon. Oh, Bruce, Bruce Moon. And I might be yeah. butchering his name, but right, Bruce Moon, the guy who, right. who led so, that workshop. So, like, he's, making you do something concrete but like to really imagine what that soul is experiencing yeah. is very different you know absolutely absolutely i don't know i just i have literally no question or thought except just that i i'm just like kind of i think i think it, my point i guess is the reason it makes me think about all this is like when you say people aren't like so engaged with this i don't think it's necessarily because they they're like at peace with it. I think it's almost the opposite. Like it's just they can't deal with it. Like not, right. not, I'm not like saying it in a negative way. They just yeah. It's just not something they're able. They, maybe they accept that they can't process it and they just move on. Um, right. No. I mean, but, I think that's that's well put. Actually. Um, yeah. I mean, I think these fears about sort of ultimate kind of human extinction. I mean, that's you know, an even larger level of this question um, than individual death. I mean, I, I've also, you know, I've talked to a lot of people about these questions mm-hmm. and there are people who will kind of say, well, I'm at peace with my own consciousness going, <laughs> but I, I love the thought of, you know, there being a next generation to kind of put, take up the torch and then another one and another one, you know, and so on. So to kind of question that that's a thing, mm. you know, for some people that right. is a comfort. So then to even go further, like with this sort of <laughs> climate yeah. change questions, you know, what, what's the worst case scenario? Um, 
yeah, I mean, I think it's it's sort of more of the same and even scarier for people. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I think to to ask the question, you know, what might happen after we die, and or what, you know, if you if you have a belief that just the brain goes and that's it to think about that, you know, we really can't think about that. It's the ultimate paradox. I mean, our brain is thinking, how can we think about not thinking, you know? So in a way it's, it's just, it's impossible even to, to touch it. Um, and I think, I think that's, it's true, you know, that, that for a lot of people they think, oh, you know, they're not necessarily even thinking this deeply about it, but on some little level, you know, they're, they're scraping at some of these ideas, you know, and they're kind of realizing that it's impossible, um, to go in that direction and they say, okay, you know what, let's just worry about, you know, the, the little gathering on Thursday night because we can handle that. We, we right. know what that well, is. Well, yeah. I mean like most people, like I think you can't fun- you wouldn't function if you really, really were totally aware right. <laughs> of the fact that, I mean, it's, it's actually also a Hasidic idea like that. Um, if God completely revealed himself to the world without, the era of Mashiach, like if he just revealed himself, yeah, um, in the sense that, like, basically revealed that that all of this, all of this is illusion, and that everything is actually un- united, and all these things. Like, basically, if we sp- saw spirituality, this, if we saw beyond the physical completely to the act, and beyond even the spiritual to the actual reality, yeah, we would cease to exist. Like, in the sense that we would lose our individualized existence, you know. And I think right. it, that's kind of connected to this idea that it's like if you really tried to like it's almost impossible to really live in that world, and that's actually why I admire people like you that can that can hold that because I think other most people like myself for a long time I had this this is like how I became obsessed later with death was that I had this fear of death like yeah. an intense fear of death where I would have panic attacks at night, at night when I was a kid. Oh, wow. You know? we're, we're twins in that sense. Yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, because if we really, really thought, and, and the thing is that every now and then my brain will go like that far and I'll just be like, oh my God, I can't do this. Like, right. you know, like, and. Right. And you pull back. Yeah. And yeah. Because now, thank God, like I'm trained a little bit to not do that. But I think on the other hand, I was kind of experiencing what it really is to, to nullify yourself, which is scary. You know, right? To well, imagine yourself nullified. You know, right? Well, I mean, of course, my deepest hope is that it wouldn't be nullification. Ultimately, right. that you would you would hold on to yourself, right? Somehow, you know, and maybe you know, sort of in my imagination. And I don't know if this you know kind of accords with um, you know what what the texts actually have to say. But in my view, you know, for example, when Mashiach comes and everything is much more. Um, obvious, you know, all the sort of mystical forces and whatever's godly. I kind of have this idea that, I don't know, the whole universe, I mean, if there's something valid to the idea, which as I said, I don't necessarily believe it, but I'm open to it, um, that somehow we would be pushed forward in a way that we would be able to process it and we would maintain ourselves, you know, for right. some reason. Well, that's, some, yeah. that's kind of the idea of Mashiach is that some, like Shem is somehow going to create a world in which we are able to hold the fact that we are, that the world is an illusion while living like a completely spiritual life and also being individualized. So like, wow, that's, those that's, are, I mean, yeah. all those ideas are just, wow, you could go on forever. <laughs> well, that's the miracle of Mashiach. Yeah. That's the whole idea yeah. is that like in reality, we shouldn't be able to live like that. And that's why Mashiach is such a powerful concept, at least through, you know, this, this, this way of looking at it is, is, um, 
is and it's it's also a, it's what always moved me, and I think that's um, on a deeper level. I always found that really fascinating. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Um, this conversation is reminding me of a particular experience I had. It was actually one Yom Kippur morning. Mm. Um, and, you know, like early, early morning, you know, we're talking maybe 2 a.m. type thing. And I see a light, like literally, you know, I'm sleeping. Mm-hmm. And then I bolt awake and I see a light. You know, that's just, that was my experience, a, a sharp light. And in my mind and soul... At that moment, it's funny, you were talking earlier about, you know, in the moment you can be convinced of something and then later you start to question. Mm -hmm. This is a perfect example of that. In the moment, I'm sure that it is my father's mother who was deceased. Mm. Um, And I'm sure of it. Mm. But rather than, you know, and this is this should be, you know, something that I would want more than anything, you know, that I would embrace more than anything under the sun. Um... Rather than sort of reacting that way, I reacted with utter terror. Oh, wow. I I said, um, you know, and I didn't actually, I don't believe I actually spoke. You know, I Mm. I kind of, my brain was saying, no, 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 I I can't take this. I can't, this is too much and it's terrifying. And and I remember I like pulled the covers over my eyes and, um, you know, so... um, I kind of, you know, as I think about that episode, I have many different, you know, kind of possible explanations for it. But if you want to say that it was sort of a real mystical experience, that on some level I was connecting with my father's mother, um, I feel like it sort of fits in with what you were saying, that there was some larger level of truth Mm -hmm. that maybe was about to be revealed to me or something. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, no, I'm not ready for this. I I can't take that. I'd rather just, you know, have my my bedroom that I'm used to and my life that I'm used to and whatever is about to happen. Mm -hmm. I, I don't have the psychological wherewithal to to engage with it so please no 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 you know that was my initial yeah reaction um of course you could also say and i'm open to this unfortunately although i i hope this is not the case you could also say the whole thing was wish fulfillment you know that i right. of course i you know so i created this point of light that was my grandmother but the truth still exists though that like even if it was something <laughs> you imagined like what you you're still scared of right. experiencing Something that was beyond your physical reality. Exactly. Exactly. Even if it wasn't an actual, you know, and you can get down to, you know, this gets hazier than you might think. You know, how do you define an actual mystical experience as opposed to an imaginary mystical experience? I mean, you know, I was talking earlier about Bruce Simone. His whole thing is that imagination, quote unquote, can lead you to actual you know, sort of mystical truths and, and, you know, communing with actual deceased souls. So it all gets very messy, you know, on a certain level. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you know, regardless of, of um, how that experience came into, came to be, um, I reacted, I believed that it was something mystical in the moment, whether I was crazy or whether I was right in the moment, that's what I believed. Mm -hmm. And rather, I mean, I'm like literally always walking around and joking about, I want a mystical experience. I want that more than any of the other things I say I want so badly. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Here it was possibly about to come my way. And what do I do? Mm-hmm. But you know, hide under the covers, literally, yeah. and and think, no, 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 go away, go away. I can't take this. <clears throat> so it was, 
it was a really wild experience. Yeah, I mean, I think also we we tend to discount, like especially people. I think people like you and me that obsess over death to a certain extent. I think we tend to discount sometimes the psychological effect of thinking about death, like in the sense that the thinking itself is affected, like by by us, right? right. So one of the things I, I like it was interesting to me because it's such a cliche that you know what you're really afraid of is the unknown and all these things, but the truth is that's really what's going on. Yeah, like you're you're really there's so much psychological stuff going on when you when you try and think about death, and it's it's very hard to like if you're really trying to objectively think about it again we you know we're talking like it's it's very hard so like ironically you could be someone who claims to want a mystical experience but the truth is there's, there's other stuff going on there right, right? it's not it's not right. so clear like if you actually experience like you're saying you know you literally had that happen and i think i don't know i think um i think to a certain extent we need to grapple with that like as people like not not just the like aspect of death, but the aspect of the unknown. Like I don't know. Do you have issues with anxiety by any chance? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I wrote that whole essay about Klonopin. Right. And, you know, right. Exactly. Yeah. So that's the thing. I probably should have one in my system right now, but I gave it up. <laughs> you know, years and years and years ago. Sorry, I have some if you want. <laughs> but like, I think it's actually interesting because I think anxiety, I think, is very much connected to a desire for control. You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. and death is like yeah. the ultimate lack of control. Yes, right? like, that's good. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so interesting because like right. I, it only it took me so long to realize like this issue with death that I have is actually connected to like my fear of flying, which mm-hmm. isn't that I'm afraid of dying. I'm afraid of being in a situation in which I was just literally just talking about this with someone the other day. Yeah. I was saying like I would rather be in a car that I was driving and crash yeah. than be in a plane that flew fine because I... Like without like without any problems. Fascinating, yes. right? Because right. at least I would be in control of yeah. the situation. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting that you say that because I often think I'm I'm afraid. Like I have a fear of flying, but it's not mm-hmm. it's not that terrible. Put it this way, it's not worse. It's not that much worse than other fears because I I do because I'm one of these people who kind of wakes up and thinks okay well assuming you don't get hit by a car or or you know have some kind of a weird thing happen to your body and and you faint and you drop dead you know assuming none of that happens you'll have a date today and you'll, <laughs> and you'll come back at the end yeah. of the day you know I'm in other words I'm very aware I think some people forget that they could get hit by a car or right. they could trip and hit their head and that'll be the end of them or mm. whatever, you know, whereas I'm very aware of all of that. So then, okay, you know, the, the plane could crash, but I also could get attacked or I also could get sick mm. and die, you know, so I, and I think, I mm. think in terms of, you know, if you're, here I am, wow, this is bizarre, you know, I'm, I'm saying if you're going to think mathematically, which I never think mathematically, but I do think if you're thinking about sort of odds, you know, which I'm sure you realize, your odds are probably better in the plane than right. they are like going about your day if you're constantly crossing the street and busy traffic and, you know, but, but right, but there's a certain level where, and you might not actually have control, you know, you might cross the street and a car might, you know, a huge truck might come your way and that might be completely beyond your control, you know, on a certain level, but it feels like it's in your control. You know, you're walking, you can control, whereas the plane is going, you know, you have no ability to, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that's so, it's so interesting. It's cool because it sounds like you've kind of come to a certain piece with that, which is, is really cool. Like in terms of this idea that, you know, you might go and all these things, even though you're, 
so worried about that that at the same time you've kind of had this embracing of it at the same time, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say like, okay, it's funny because I've thought of this, God forbid, chas v'shalom, you know, if, um, if I were, I mean, and I've imagined this kind of scene, I'm in a plane, chas v'shalom, infinite number of times, and, (laughs) you know, something comes up and they're sure that it's crashing Mm -hmm. and we're all sure that we're all going to die. You know, I mean, this has happened in the course of history. I would not be at peace with it. But (laughs) what I, I mean, I can't even, I think I would be the one like the crazy lunatic, like, like, (laughs) you know, I I mean, I I can't even, I can't even imagine, you know, Um, I mean, you would not, you would not want to be in the plane with me if if that, if that ever, you know, class for Shalom, you know, were to happen. But I guess what it is, is, like, I think maybe somewhat in terms of Oz and like, yeah, it is. Scary. And I always, you know, like I, I'll sit, you know, in my seat in the plane and I will close my eyes and pray, mm. you know, and I don't close my eyes and pray every time I cross the street. Mm. Right, you know, that's interesting. do you know what I'm saying? Right. So there is a certain level where I'm with you that I'm more yeah. scared of the plane. And yet, you know, I've thought about it and I kind of realize. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, well, it's, it defies logic. You know? Right. It's, it's, right. And I think that's that's why it's like that's why I'm kind of bringing it up relative to death in the sense that we don't when we are thinking about these things like we're not it's very hard to think logically because you lose yeah. control of yourself like because because you have this neat, like so much of it is desire like my desire to like just like have knowledge and have control and have order around the idea of death is yeah. affects how I think about death, you right. know, like deeply, you know? Right, and so, right. And so that even when I'm thinking about it in a negative way and imagining it going, like when I was younger, imagining it being like eternal nothingness, I, I think what got me to freak out was not so much, I mean, like, yes, it was the thought, but also the feeling of, oh my gosh, I have no, like, this is going to be a point in my, in my life, ironically, where I'm going to have like complete lack of control over this thing. You right. Know? Yeah. And that that's crazy. It's crazy to think Absolutely. about. Absolutely. You know? Especially for people who crave control. You know? Yeah. I mean, right. I mean, I've, and I've thought, you know, right. Either, I guess, you know, the people that are extraordinarily lucky, you know, but, but who aren't completely bucking the system, nobody yet has bucked the system. We don't know of that, you know, <laughs> 300 year old who's as healthy as a 30 year old out there at this point, you know, um, the luckiest people, I guess, are the ones who, um, live a very long, very healthy life until the end. And then at least this is my feeling Then I don't know, they're quietly, their heart stops or something at 108 one night and that's it. And they never have to face. In other words, they, they do lack control. You're absolutely right. They do lack control. Their body is shutting down. Right. And no matter what, you know, they could try to eat all the all the bran and go on their <laughs> little exercise bike or whatever they try to do to stave it off, you know, at a certain point, it's hopeless and they completely lack control. Right. But at least they wouldn't have to, to me, something that's just so beyond horrifying is to be in a place where you know that it's imminent. And many people, you know, who have certain kinds of conditions know it. You know, they, they know they I have, I think most know. people know when they're about to die. At a certain point, it's yeah. It's very rare that someone dies, uh, like, completely, like, asleep. And, like, even when they... <laughs> I've read about this stuff. Like, even when they are, like, dying in their sleep, quote-unquote, they actually... In general, wake up and experience it. You know. Oh so, wow, that could be. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know that. Yeah. It sounds like you've you've read that or yeah. I'll do some reading on the subject. Right, right, right. Yeah. 
But yeah, so I think that's that's actually really interesting. Like that, it's it's funny because you know I've spent so it's, I actually think about it a lot. Like I spent so much of my life thinking about death that it's kind of crazy to me to know that one day I'm really going to be at that point where I'm like, oh my gosh, it's, this is it. <laughs> like you know, right. and I don't know if that's how I'm going to be thinking about it, but like it's you know it's it's gonna like that that's a moment you know is gonna happen and exactly i mean you you know it's gonna happen and right you know you you have no ability to really control what it's gonna be like and we're going you know we're sitting here you know comfortably in these chairs one day for both of us the day will come for me and the day will come for you not to ruin your whole evening but it's already ruined i guess if you know um and it's just yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) i know know that feeling very well and it's like it's like, wow, you know, like that, that moment will come, that will be, and it's interesting because I remember as a kid, you know, kind of thinking, you know, that moment will come when I'm, you know, an adult and that moment will come when I'm, I don't know, you know, living not with my parents or whatever. And I've thought about that. Like I've thought of my little kid self imagining certain things and thinking, yeah, here it is. Like little kid, I'm speaking to you back in time. Here it is. I'm, I'm now in that situation. You were right. You, right. you said that moment would come. Right. And it, and it came and I'm here like it's sort of wild you know to to think about yeah. and and then it's like wow you know what will that be like to be in that moment and right. to look back on say you know ourselves here and say hey Stephanie hey a lot this is it you 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 know thought about this so often right. here it is you're in it. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. And it's <laughs> it's interesting like uh yeah that's so funny cuz I one of the things that I find fascinating about that idea, like like that, I, I also had that experience where I remember having this thought as a kid, like, oh my gosh, one day I'm going to be a grown up, like, yeah, and that's that's crazy, like right. I can't, I'm going to be an adult, like that doesn't make any sense and whatever. And it's funny because then, you know, it's like I, I remember I, I think about it a lot actually that moment, and I remember when I was like in my twenties and like late twenties, I was like, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm still not an adult, like oh, it's not yeah. happened yet, and then. I had kids, and you know, I got married, had kids. And I'm 32, almost 33, and I'm like, you know, I think I'm an adult now. Interesting. <laughs> and you feel like you're an adult at this point. Yeah, and yeah. that yeah. It was interesting. I think that is actually when I hit my when I turned 30 mm-hmm. was when I like kind of re-explored my obsession with death because yeah. I was like, all right, I hit that point as a child where I was like thinking, just like you know, I'm thinking about that moment when we die, right? Where like, yeah, this is like a marker. Like, this is a marker of like, I'm like. Like, I'm definitely going to die. Right. Well, I mean, that's the horrifying thing. Because we live in denial. We live in, like, I was in denial that I was going to be an adult. I was really, I was just like. I'll tell you the truth. I still don't see myself as an adult. You're going to, you're going to. Yeah. I mean, I think you know this about me. You know, I've never done, you know, I've never gotten married. I've never had kids. I've never done. And I've never really wanted to do that stuff. Like, I hold on to the extent possible that that this idea that I'm a child. Well, I think most people like even when they ex- do certain things that are like adult. I think they like because the thing is what what was fascinating to me about realizing I was adult was I didn't feel whatever I thought I would feel when I was a kid. Right. About being an adult, I didn't feel it. Like I felt Interesting. I essentially felt like the kid, you know. Oh that, yeah, like, I'm it, with you 100%. Yeah. I yeah. Um it's like I'm on this journey. And I happen to be in this body that turned into an adult and has responsibilities. You know? I feel <laughs> the same way. Yeah. I absolutely feel the same way. I feel like it's completely nuts. I, you know, and it's it's sort of to the point where if I'm with a group of people, you know, sort of mixed ages, 
And, you know, I don't know, some of the kids are kind of acting up and the parents are, you know, being adults, you know, <laughs> you, you've got to you've got to be quiet. You've got to do this. I so often find myself just identifying with the kids, mm. you know, and I completely understand that, you know, the adults, it's hard for them. You know, they, they want to make sure their kids are safe and they, you know, mm. I mean, I I'm not being even remotely critical of them. It's not that. It's just if I'm going to, you know, I'm sitting it's sort of, you know. It's easier for you to empathize with Yeah. Them. Like who's, exactly. Like, you know, if I were to write like a short story about it, who would I be empathizing with? I think I'd be empathizing with the kid. Right. You know, I feel like that's my sort of frame of reference. Mm. Um, it's it's interesting. Yeah. And then, so I kind of feel like that's probably what's going to happen whenever we die. It's going to be like. Well, this is not what I expected. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And again, I think that's connected to the psychological thing where, you know, we have an imagination that takes us places and tries to conceive of what these experiences are like, but we really, really don't know, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's really well put. It's funny because a huge part of this project has involved mm. actually imagining kind of mystical scenes mm. along the lines of, you know, what might happen after we die. Right. I mean, I've, I've actually written sort of several chapters of this book project that that essentially is what it is, imagining. Right. And yet, um, I mean, I, I like to think, and I do have this sort of intuition that I'm tapping into different Right. You know, um, issues that are real on one level. Right. And yet I don't have any illusion that that's what it is. You know, right. I feel like, and even in the chapters themselves, I wrestle with that. You know, the, the me consciousness, because just the me consciousness is always there. That's right. that's what it's all about for me. Just like I, I would presume from my worldview that the allowed consciousness is what it's all about for you. You know, and it right. comes right down to it. That's kind of the key for each person is their own consciousness. So my own consciousness is key to all these stories and my own consciousness is in all these different sort of wild situations, you know, imagining what would it be like to exist without a body? What would it be like to have different, um, you know, laws of nature, so to speak, or, right. you know, um, just so much stuff going on. Um, and it's, it's, great doing that and I feel like I might be getting closer on a level you right. know certainly than I am just kind of walking around saying oh you know God force of nature whatever might be out there a mystical world come upon me and give me a mystical experience I thought this was a way you know pushing myself actively to imagine was a way of I guess actually going back to the control issue taking control of it right. saying okay if if the mystical forces aren't coming at me if they're if somehow that doesn't seem to be what's in the cards maybe i can imagine what it would be like to have a mystical experience what would i what would i perceive if i did have one if i'm not going to have one maybe i can create it you know through my imagination right. um so you know on a certain level i've played with the idea that imagination can bring us hmm. to some form of truth along these lines right i mean it's interesting because that totally Reminds me of, you know, the way we tend to talk about Kabbalah, Hasidus, mystical mysticism. Basically, it's like, you know, we keep we keep we've kept kind of coming back to this idea that we can't really imagine, we can't really know what it is, and all these things. But the truth is that, it like, and yet, Hasidus and all these things are meant to make us still 
Imagine it. Still think about it. Even though, and the more, and ironically, the more you're supposed to learn it more and more and more, and the more that you learn it, the more you're aware that you're not learning it, like that you're not actually experiencing it. That you're not fully understanding the concepts. Right. But, but the effort of it and the experience of going through that itself has immense worth. Oh yeah. You know, like we're the, it's, it's one thing to... You know, like it's 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 one thing to go about life and not not think about it, but then it's another thing to go about life, be aware of it, and and then refuse to think about it. And then there's you know the people like then there's the option of kind of going a little bit into it. But I think at the end of the day, like the, I think the Hasidic ideal is that you're going, you're just going, you're just going headlong into it as much as you can, and and knowing even knowing that you're never actually going to experience it. Right. You're still doing it. And right, it's right. beautiful. You know, yeah. I love that. It's funny because yeah. that is kind of what I'm doing. And I'm, you know, it's not yeah. like I don't have any illusions. I'm not sitting here saying, hey guys, it's too bad. Because if I did that and I could convince people, I'd have a bestseller <laughs> on my hands. Yeah, but, <laughs> right. but I hate to say it, I'm much too honest of a person over here. You know, I, I don't necessarily feel that, you know, that I'm right. like I'm, you know, touching all these truths and nobody else has access to, you know, I mean, that's, I feel like, yeah, this exercise almost brings me into a state where I can see um, different scenarios that maybe are some kind of a pale metaphor Mm -hmm. of what might actually be, you know, the pale metaphor that my brain in this dimension might be able to perceive. Right. Um, and I feel like that is pretty much exactly, you know, when I've taken the little Hasidus courses, you know, at the Chabad rabbis and stuff and done some reading on my own, that's kind of exactly, you know, they're kind of saying, look, you're really not going to perceive it. Right. You know, you're not really even going to come close to perceiving it. And yet you can, you can perceive something. Right. And in perceiving something, you're coming you know, maybe on the one hand, only microscopically closer to, to whatever is real, but then even coming microscopically closer with a question like that, you know, with issues this deep is like a universe on the other hand. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. I mean, I also think that is a testament to the power of imagination and creativity. You know? Yeah, absolutely. To, you know, we got to oh, go right. back to the creativity. Oh, right. And I'm all for it, for sure. <laughs> no, I figured I was laughing. I was like, okay, we're, you know. No, but yeah. I think it's so true. Absolutely. It's like, this is, the, and that's really what Hasidus does. And what, what you're doing is this idea of like, because it's illogical, because we have no control over it, because we're never actually going to experience it, that's why imagination is essential. Yes. Because... Because it's imagination by definition is something you're not experiencing and yet you're experiencing. You right. Know? And it's it's interesting, too. Um, I mean, I've even taken it a little bit further in the sense. Well, you were talking earlier about how, you know, on one level, everything that happens is actually an illusion, you mm. know. Um, and sort of along those lines, I've had these weird thoughts of. You know, well, we talk about real life on the one hand, you know, like if, if, you know, I don't know, I go back to Cambridge and a friend asks, oh, you know, tell me about what happened on your, on your trip. Oh yeah. You know, I, I sat with this guy a lot and we tried, you know, like that, you know, supposedly in our, in our scheme of things that really happened. I didn't imagine it, you know, Mm -hmm. and you would corroborate it. You know, if they contacted you, you would say, oh yeah, of course, you know, that really happened. I remember it too, you know, by, by the scheme that we normally sort of use, this is happening. We're not imagining it. Um, whereas if, if, you know, each of us were to go back, you know, this evening and imagine certain scenes, 
scenes, people would say, oh, well, that didn't happen. Mm. You know, that's not real. Whereas sitting at this table is real. And there's a certain level where I question even that. Mm. Like, I have this weird idea that maybe, maybe when we imagine certain things, when we quote unquote imagine even, you know, I, sometimes I like to put it in quotes, maybe we're actually tapping into something that that is real. Right. I mean, that's so, that's amazing. I mean, I think that's so true because... I mean, I, I I think this idea that that we are that we when we think that we um, we actually contemplate these spiritual concepts, there's something much more real about that because you're. It's like we we're talking about this idea of like that we should be really screaming, you know, but because yeah. in in a sense, like experiencing what doesn't exist is just as, or like you're saying, or maybe more real than, than just going about your life. Like it's so important for us to be able to tap into the nothingness of reality, Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. And it's actually interesting, like that, the Hasidic concept of like, you know, Yeshma'ayin, that we came from nothing. Like, I mean, that's not a Hasidic concept, but I'm saying this, the, the Hasidic concept is that ayin, the nothingness, is actually not nothingness. It's it's actually more real mm. than what exists. Yeah. It's just, it's called ayin only because relative to us, it's something that we can't experience. Mm. You know? It's beyond our perception. Right. But so yes could, to yeah. us is what exists. But Right. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, we hit an hour. Did we? Okay. We could probably go for another three hours, but I think (laughs) that was great. Right, right. Yeah, no, this was was a ton of fun. (laughs) Um, Um, Should we go down to earth and you want to plug anything you got going on? Yeah. So um, why don't I just say um, a lot of the issues that we've been discussing actually kind of dovetail with a whole book project that I'm kind of putting the finishing touches on. Um, I am... um, Looking, you know, kind of putting my feelers out. I'd love to find a literary agent for this book project. Um, I'd love to find a publisher, you know, of some sort. I mean, I'm open to various options. If anybody listened to this conversation and is interested in a book project about my quest for insight into what might happen to us after we die, um... I have basically a whole manuscript written at this point, you know, tinkering away with it, you know, whatever, but I have basically a whole manuscript and I want to do something with it. You know, as much as my head might seem to be in the clouds sometimes, I'm also kind of a very practical person in some ways and I would love to just do something with it in this, in the reality of this world. (laughs) (laughs) That actually is very important to me. So, so I'm going to get that out there. Um, literary agents that are listening, the right? <laughs> yeah, who knows? You know, if, if somebody or if you're if you are listening and you have one and you think yeah. I might be a good Guys, match, Stephanie's been writing for us for two and a half years now, so I know she's an amazing writer. So, this is I'm really excited for this project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, thank you so much. Yeah. So, that's something to plug. Um, and of course, just you know. I'd love for people to read my shorter pieces in Hevria <laughs> and the Wisdom Daily. Oh yeah, yeah, um, Wisdom Daily. yeah. Great. 
Right. So those are very long pieces. <laughs> they, well, exactly. Well, the Wisdom Daily now are these long form pieces. Yeah. Um, it was super fun to write. A lot of short stories actually now. Awesome. Recently, all kinds of things. Um, yeah. Great. Well, Stephanie, it was a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us and joining me. And we've got to do it again sometime. Absolutely. This was super fun. I appreciate it so much. It's a chance to do this. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to HivriaCast. I'm Alad Harai. If you'd like to hear more and read more of our work, you can follow us by going to hevria.com or facebook.com slash mag. We've been recording at the Kalal Studios in New York City, and the music that you're hearing is Voice Lessons by Darshan. Thank you so much, and I look forward to seeing and hearing from you again.